Welcome to the AJP podcast, a podcast that discusses current events, relevant topics, and emerging issues in pharmacy. I'm your host, Carly McMore, and together with my producer, Jared McMore, and the Australian Journal of Pharmacy, we are bringing you a podcast that draws on the opinions and expertise of pharmacists from all settings and experience levels. From those pharmacists who've already been a voice in the profession, to those who've never had their voice heard before. This podcast discusses scope of practice and recognition for pharmacists. With current crises such as coronavirus and bushfires coming, it has created experiences for pharmacists to really showcase their skill set. It has changed legislation, it has allowed for more flexibility and adaptability, and we really have been working on the front line doing what's in the best interest of our patients under some very challenging, frustrating, and hard circumstances. So with this in light, and with the current experiences being as they have been, we're now looking at scope and recognition, and what pharmacists can and should be able to do, and what kind of recognition would be suitable and would be advisable for pharmacists to feel like they're being rewarded and recognized for all of the hard work and the skills that we actually have. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Catherine Duggan discusses the importance of pharmacist triage and thinking big for funding for the future. Chris Campbell discusses not trivializing issues and giving back patients control of their lives. Yeah, I, I think as well the description of things that are minor or major is a red herring and I think that uh, very often, you know, um, being able to access some health advice because you have a very poorly baby, you don't know if that baby is going to be going on to get worse or whether it's going to be a self-resolving situation or condition. Having the pharmacist there to be able to triage as well is really important. Um, so I think I think if we were to... The, the old adage about you would never start from here, um, if we were to think big blue sky this I think that we could come up with some really radical ways of funding for the future and you'd probably not use the terminology minor ailments yeah. you know yeah. so yeah. it sort of de- defines it too too mm-hmm. tightly and yeah. opens us up to well when they see me as a practitioner I don't see anything as minor it could possibly be something more I think being able to articulate that um, at the Uh, governmental or the funding agency level and to start thinking about the patient flow through the system keeping um, remember that we do pay for things that patients access so keeping them out of the access loop isn't necessarily a realized cost benefit or a realized lack of spend we need to talk that through and to have the preventers in the system as well as those who react to the system Uh, preventing a readmission should be realized in that cost loop as much as the, you know, what we do with patients as they're admitted, and thinking about admission through a community pharmacy or any other access route is really important. I think that would do a lot for patients and the public as well. I think we describe ourselves by the sector we work in or we describe ourselves by our pay band. So you often hear pharmacists across the world talk about I'm a community pharmacist or a hospital pharmacist, um, which I completely understand. But I think patients don't necessarily know what we mean by that um, whereas actually if we talked about the services we provide then they would understand it and you could be based in community or hospital so I think it's really exciting that um, you know PSA through strategic intent is looking at remuneration very differently but I think that we can often miss a trick if we think about the system as it's always been versus what we could do with the money that's in the system. That's so clever because it's like taking the fact that a 
patient the patient is moving through mm. consistently mm. so it doesn't they don't they they come to you with a need as opposed to um, I come to you because you're in a, a specific place yeah. you know I come yeah. with a need so if that need so happens to be a referral yeah. or so happens to be elsewhere another health professional what have you it's just that one continuum for them it's not just well, I can only get this because I'm in a community pharmacy. I can only get this yeah. because uh, that pharmacist came to my home. Elise Apolloni talks about the perceptions of pharmacy and the many innovative opportunities. She also discusses being surrounded by the right people as well as personal satisfaction and holistic care. Unsurprisingly, I have a very optimistic view of all the opportunities in community pharmacy. I really think it's the bee's knees and I know that sometimes it's perceived to be the lesser of certain sectors in our in our profession, but to be honest, I can't imagine where you can interact every day with people, where you can use your full clinical skill set if you want to and where you have the chance to implement some really innovative practice just because you want to, for no other reason, because you have the ability to have that impact on the pharmacy that you work in. You don't need to be a pharmacy owner to implement that change. You just need to have good leadership around you and passionate people. And our workplace is a perfect example of that. Our pharmacists are able to implement health services and whatever ticks their boxes, whatever makes them get out of bed, that's what I want them doing. As well, I want to also like getting out of bed and I want to enjoy what I'm doing. So I think at the same time, I make sure that um, it's a place where I want to be. But community pharmacy is fantastic. Where can you help someone with a mental health problem, but also with diabetes, but also talk to them about their medication, but also talk to them about what's going on at the community fair next week, but also find out what's going on with their family. That holistic nature of our role is so lovely and it's just we are the cornerstone of a lot of our communities it's fantastic I agree that dispensing is absolutely pivotal and I think that there is a bit of a divide often in the dispensing that as pharmacists we perceive should be the role that it is and sometimes the role that is performed and so if again if you feel like you're in a situation where you're not getting to perform the full clinical function of dispensing then that's where you really need to have a chat to your workplace about what can be done to help ex- expand your scope and really make sure that that dispensing process is a fulfilled <laughs> process um, that you're meeting all your requirements um, in delivering that critical health service but also exploring the other areas that kind of extend your scope but also make you like your job more I think that um, the more you extend your scope the less that you're doing the same jobs over and over again and the more that you have a chance to fulfill your career potential I think that's a really lovely way to spend your days (laughs) not just doing the bare minimum but doing the maximum to fulfill yourself and also the healthcare needs of your patients. Christy Lee Rigby discusses that not all services are for every pharmacy, needing to look at community needs, as well as discussing the dispensing pharmacists and pharmacists that work with services. Yeah, I think um, with the expanded scope, um, or practising to full scope, I guess is the better term, um, for pharmacists, not every pharmacist is going to be able to deliver everything. Um, So if any pharmacist is sort of scared for it or doesn't want to participate in any particular um, program or professional services, they don't need to. Um, You need to see what is happening in your local community and what are the areas um, or opportunities in that area. So, for example, some pharmacies 
might be able to do vaccination, um, but they, there's no need for sleep apnea or something like that. So I think some pharmacists see all these possibilities and they get a bit overwhelmed and thought, oh, how am I going to be able to deliver these 10 or 11 new services in my pharmacy? I've only got two pharmacists um, don't have the time or the resources to do it um, so if they do some sort of research as to what their um, opportunities are in their pharmacy and then do one or two or three services really well um, so there was a comment made this morning at APP that um, you don't want to be a jack of all trades and master of none so I think that resonates well with most pharmacists that yeah, looking at the opportunities and delivering those services really well. Um, and if, and at the end of the day, dispensing is always going to be a part of pharmacy and we need pharmacists that are happy to stay in the dispensary um, and that's okay. So if they want to be that type of pharmacist, um, that's fine. We, we still need them. Um, and then maybe um, looking at hiring other pharmacists that are more innovative and are passionate about certain services and then they can be the ones that deliver it. So not every pharmacist has to deliver every single service. I think that's an important message. Tinu Abraham and Taryn Gill talk about skills, remuneration and opportunities, where opportunities exist that can cater to the areas of interest and they also discuss rural pharmacy and scope of practice. So many opportunities. There is now, yeah. And I think in line with the old um, remuneration and stages things, I guess the more skill you have to offer, the more, um, well, I guess the more skill you have to offer, then the more you can, I guess, charge for those services if, you, if you're talking about remuneration. And, you, um, and we've got a, a lot more opportunities now, as you were saying, and a lot of more space to expand. If you're not happy with an area of pharmacy, there's a lot of other things you could do. You could try going into, if you, if you prefer hands-on pharmacy, you could get into vaccination, get into, um, I guess, um, wound care, t- if, you, if you like on, yeah, on hand, practical, if you like just talking a bit more, education, so um, pharmacist prescribing, if you like working with um, prescribers a bit more, you mm. can get into that as well. So pharmacy is becoming very, I guess it's always been a bit diverse and flexible. I think it's becoming more, more and it caters to each area of interest, more areas of interest mm. yeah, now. Um. So super exciting to be a rural pharmacist. Everyone should be a rural pharmacist. Even if you're bound to the constraints of the city because your partner has a job there or something, go and do a locum. Um, the reason I say this, if you want to see like a true scope of practice, that's where it's at. So um, yeah, super excited about immunization. So we are 7,800 people in our town and our pharmacy alone vaccinated 2,000 of those people. Um, so have five vaccinators in store and there was no appointment. And what the thing was is our GPs love it because we haven't taken anything from them. We have captured the person that was never going to get vaccinated. That sort of 40-year-old male who works, who was never going to make an appointment and then in six weeks time forget about it and then sit in the waiting room with a bunch of sick people for three hours before their appointment. They walked in and go, can I get it now? And we're like, yep, and then it's done. Uh, So our community immunity um, sort of drive in our town was really awesome. Um, But a couple of our pharmacists are mental health first aid trained as well. So we're a bit of a hub for that. Whereas, so our next biggest towns are Ballarat and Bendigo and a lot of people don't have the transport. Um, So I think pharmacist prescribing would be awesome for us. I guess to an extent, well, we already do it with our Schedule 3 category. But again, in our town, someone comes in on a Sunday with a rash. I'm the one that's saying it's shingles. um, But the nurse practitioner is the one that's writing the script. Um, so I think it would be really great to have, um, more access to things that I, I do believe that we're already doing. 
Um, and unfortunately, they, we don't have the guidelines and the framework and sometimes the legality to do it. Um, and that's really unfortunate because we are already filling that gap. Um, I think with paying for services and things like that, though, pharmacies do need to stop undercutting each other um, on that so that we can, you know, get paid appropriately. Because we want all pharmacies to get paid appropriately. Liam Murphy discusses niche roles, opportunities for pill testing, as well as turf wars between healthcare professionals. Uh, the pill testing niche pharmacy role is something... Two years ago, I wrote the um, an article that was put on the HAP website, you know, asking for pharmacies, like the PSA, to, to put out a position statement and it, it ended up taking two years for them to sort of get along and do it. But as the drug experts in Australia, like, we stand in a perfect position to, you know, not so much monetize but capitalize on this pill testing um initiatives that look like they're going to be coming ahead and and have pharmacists in there that would otherwise be you know community practicing pharmacists that have good rapport and can engage with with younger predominantly younger adults um and open up conversations about you know the medications that or the substances that they may be taking but then also um other areas of their health um such as mental health such as sexual health and you know capitalizing on those communication barriers being broken down um that's just one of many sort of various roles that pharmacists can be involved in um yeah that but that's a big one that i see um you know i wrote down it's like if we as health professionals like really care about Having clinic, uh, having you know, meaningful interventions in the community, something like pill testing is is an absolute goldmine. Because as David Caldicott, who's sort of Australia's biggest advocate, advocate and expert on pill testing, has sort of said, where it's allowing us to engage with what is otherwise an invisible cohort of um, of people taking substances. So it's um, it's really uncharted territory. So that's one one of many niches that I see pharmacy being able to sort of expand into. Like it's great to see pharmacists taking initiative and, and learning more skills and upskilling and making themselves more viable in in the health like sector. Um, I also feel it's important as well that we work alongside other health professionals and work out how we can have, you know, a good working relationship it seems very petty to me the um disagreements and the arguments that seem to be going on between professional bodies um and over turf wars and and staking claims and people that like to publish things and write things that sort of are aimed at triggering a response on this thing but i, f- I feel uh i like i feel like there's like limitless uh you know a lot of potential for what pharmacists can be doing um, uh, as health professionals, and you know we we're in a position where we're really accessible um, as healthcare professionals. Anyone can sort of walk in and engage with us without an appointment. Um, when you compare that to doctors or any other <clears throat> health professionals, it can be quite a bit harder to to be seen. Um, I don't really have anything to offer on the specifics, like off the top of my head. It's just something that I'd 
probably want to think about and articulate a little bit better. But yeah, I feel like there's a lot of potential within the pharmacy to broaden its scope of practice. One that I would like to see, as I said, is something like a festival pharmacist. Um, so someone that can step in to festivals or and offer the services that pharmacists have the potential to offer and engage with young people. A few friends, a couple of friends and I had an idea a couple of years back to create a festival pharmacy, um, which when we got talking about it was seemed like a really good idea and it was, you know, we all got quite excited and then the um, the realities of how many hoops you'd have to be jumping through started to dawn on me and, and for me, I'll easily engage in something if I'm passionate about it or if I'm really interested in it, but um, like my personality type, I red tape and just jumping through hoops, I I kind of realised that I wasn't going to be able to do it as well as I would have liked because I would have just lost interest in it and it would have become more like a chore than, than a passion project. But if someone's keen to do the legwork and want someone to advocate and be a face for it, who knows? <laughs> Lily Pham, Tina Blafari and Jess Shao talk about more public awareness being required for pharmacists, as well as discussing community and hospital pharmacists and using learnings and confidence to maximise potential. I personally think a lot of the issues facing pharmacy or the biggest issue with pharmacy, even though it's hard to kind of navigate, is not having faith in what you've learnt and not applying what you've learnt to its full potential. I think if you don't have faith in yourself, you don't have faith in your ability, no one's going to have faith in you and you're not going to be respected to the extent that you should be. So I think, yes, there's going to be a lot of physical obstacles or a lot of business obstacles and things like that, but the profession itself needs to recognise that we are equipped to deal with a lot more than what we currently deal with. Um, I think one of the big issues in pharmacy at the moment and hopefully will continue to not be um, is that patients aren't aware of the full role of a pharmacist and what pharmacists can really do for them. Um, a lot of the time, you know, you have patients always talking to our uh, rural and Indigenous chair, Catherine, um, where she said that Indigenous health hub, uh, health services and clinics have, haven't had a pharmacist um, employed there until quite recently. And so having the pharmacist there was a bit almost of a shock to to the population there because they were not familiar with having a pharmacist and they actually had no clue what a pharmacist did and what their role was in patient health. And so I think a huge part of our profession should be advocating for what we do, creating awareness for what we do. And I think the reward from that will come. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of the time I get, ph- uh, not pharmacists, sorry, patients who come in and say oh hurry up you're just putting a sticker on a label you know why don't you just let me come into the dispensary and, and I'll do it it's really simple and it's not just as easy as that it's not just as simple as that um, and so we really do need to be making the public aware and we don't do enough of a good job with it and that comes from in the profession as well like there's still that mentality I think among students as well as other professionals that if you're working in hospital, you're more clinical. If you're working in community, you're more. You talk to people more. Like, 
but everyone does have those same skills and everyone can come together and that's accepting that the entire field is has the same qualification yeah and then just moving forward with that and having worked in hospital um I've now because I had as a student those perceptions of oh if I worked in hospital I get to explore a more clinical side of it and a lot of the time in interviews that will be the answer that your student will give you your prospective intern will give you and having worked in hospital I don't think that's the case at all I think the way that we deliver our clinical knowledge is different but it's clinical all the same We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the AJP podcast. If you have any comments, questions or suggestions about this episode, please visit the AJP forum at ajp.com.au and join the conversation. If you have any suggestions for future topics or would like to participate in the podcast, please send an email to ajppodcast at appco.com.au or follow us on Twitter at AJP podcast.